doodle doo. Good morning there, listener. Oh, do I look a little freaking wired, huh? Bloodshot eyes with gasoline shoot down my keister? Well, that's because I've been up all night winning freaking boatloads of nickels on the King of Queens slot machine over at the Sinking Sands Casino right over there in Learmont Street. Yeah, my hands are still shaking, buddy. That's probably from the 4,000 nickels I won. Or, 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 I'll be honest, maybe it's the 12 Red Bull gins I had to stay awake and stay positive. Because you got to stay positive when you're on a hot streak. Woo! <laughs> what were we talking about? Why am I here? Who are you people? Oh, oh, my God. That's right. That's right. We're on Uber Cinco, the podcast game show where we deep dive top fives, baby. And I'm your host, the Fire Lord himself, Mitch Brinkman. And today we've got two cads on the show. The only man I know who can play 14 hours straight of winning poker in person or online. It's Nathan Hennenfin. Hello, Nathan. Oh, hello. It's so good to be back on another hot streak after uh, 13 years of losing sessions. Oh, so good. Ooh, he's on fire. Opponent, <laughs> the man with the plan to get free hotel stays as he keeps hitting triple cherries while he's shitting on the pot. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> I, apparently that's where he I played. hit my triple cherry. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's how that's how the slots work on the phones right you hit the triple cherries and bing 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 bing, bing, bing <laughs> i don't think you need to give vegas any more ideas about where they need to put slot machines but if they put a slot machine in the john my legs would fall asleep so fast that you would have to call an ambulance to get me off that thing so oh my god oh uh, Good Brian hi. Ernst, hello. Hi. 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 My Welcome. legs are numb. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was on a hot streak in there. Nah. Also, listener, if you were on the toilet now, get up because this episode's going to be good. Okay. So find a spot that'll be comfortable and all your appendages will be awake by the end. Okay. Today, it's clear now. You guys will be listing off your top five hot streaks. Triple sevens abound. Let it ride, baby. All in goodness. Here we go. Also, to our listeners at home, don't forget, check out the new bizbear.biz, which just throws you straight to ubersingo.com. It's new. It's brand glitzy, freaking cute now. We <laughs> redid it. It's really awesome. Just go check it out. Share it with your friends and family. Uh, send them a link. But first, of course, we start. I slow it down because we need to learn about the rules. Each player in the den has spent time with today's topic, arranging their top five answers in order of importance. Those answers have been submitted to the host who will moderate the game, awarding points to the player with the most poignant answer. Starting with their number five choice, we will move up the ranks until we reach each of their top answers. But if both contestants happen to have the same answer on their list, well, we have an Uber you will hear the official Uber Cinco siren, and both players must reveal their answer and what number they ranked their submission. An Uber stare-down is all or nothing, with one player earning three points. After all answers have been read, the host will reveal the final score. Okay, now you know how to play the game, and I want to tell you, stick around, okay, to the end of the show, because I, your host, the Fire Lord himself, is going to drop hot flames all over your ears, with my fast five, and that is Tiffany items for that special someone. Ooh, that sounds good. Okay, and of course, as host, I get to make a house rule. Today, it's very simple. 
If your hot streak sounds like something I could do, two bonus points. It's as simple as a $6 Salisbury steak in the Binion's Diner after seven hours of roulette and cheap whiskey. So here we go. Brian, you left me sitting in the dressing room couch area at Neiman Marcus attached to the MGM for over 45 minutes as you tried on fedoras and loafers, <laughs> never coming out once to let me see. But damn it, if you didn't choose the fedora with your name on it. And for that, I'm still going to have Nathan start us off uh, with the number five. <laughs> Hot streak. Nathan, give us your number five hot streak, please. All right. Well, I got to start with myself. Mm -hmm. uh, oh. I, I love this day, that. Bet on you. Always bet on yeah. you. <laughs> got to bet on yourself. And if mm -hmm. I was going to bet on myself in one competition, it would, of course, be the sport of kings, badminton. Oh, very oh, classy. Yeah. Very classy. I, and this is 100% this is true, okay. I have never in my entire life lost a game of badminton. He's Not a natural-born shuttlecocker, folks. <laughs> I have mastered the shuttlecock, yeah, the racket, wrist. and the net. Very quick wrist. That's right. Mm -hmm. But I've, I've never lost. I, we, we used to play at my grandparents' house. We would set up the net, mm -hmm. and, we would, and I, just, I just never lost. And then we... We played, uh, so the, it wasn't a ton at the grandparents' house, but I happened to never lose, and I took note of that in my head because I was a kid, and I was like, I've never lost. This is really nice, this not losing thing. I like mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. Then we played in uh, PE, and we played in doubles. Wow. That's a classy and PE. My God. It was, You guys were collars yeah. to class, too? We were, we, are all, we are dressed in all white, yes. Oh, and, wonderful. Yeah, we had the white booty shorts and the white polo, you know. Um mm -hmm. But I, I, again, wasn't losing. And then the, the teacher uh, was like, all right, well, we got to, we got to, this, this motherfucker's got to lose. And so <laughs> I was, I was then paired with, uh, for the next three years, I was paired with uh, a individual who lacked any mobility or athletic talent in any capacity. Mm -hmm. So basically I was playing two on one and, uh, I, I happened to not lose. I happened to keep the streak going all the way through freshman year, which was the last year I had PE, and I never lost. And I really enjoyed badminton, but now I can never play again. I haven't played <laughs> in 20 years because I, I've been undefeated lifetime, and if I ever lose, which it's a statistical anomaly that I didn't, Yeah. but if I did, it would ruin the idea that I've never lost at something ever. I have that. <laughs> but if I ever play badminton, I could easily lose. Yeah. And then it's over. Yeah. But as of this moment right now, Nathan Hendenfent undefeated the undisputed badminton champion of Roseville junior high PE class. And it's not even close. That's a big, that's a big belt to wear too. That's not, that's not like a little bit of weight around your waist. You're, that's like a 30 pound belt. I feel like, right. And I've carried it with me every day. That's impressive. That's, that's why there are so many lines on my face at this young <laughs> age. And that hey. unathletic partner of his, of course, was Jimmy the Flick Wrist Slizman, who is now a three time <laughs> Olympian badminton winner. What a rags to riches story. I was going to ask how many times you Heisman your partner out of the way to get to the shuttlecock. <laughs> <laughs> basically yeah they, they they basically just just stood there but but now that i'm thinking about it i didn't think of it this way they are also undefeated too <laughs> so, <laughs> they're they're probably on a different podcast right now talking about their amazing hot streak in badminton where are they going to find another podcast with three white guys where they can just talk about their lives come on <laughs> that's 
I, I don't know. Do they have like a category for that on Apple Podcasts? They, they probably yes. Do. It's called Apple Podcasts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nathan, uh, you're getting two bonus points for this because you made. First, I was like, I don't know if I could win all the time at badminton, but I know I'm better than your 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 turd of a teammate at the very least. So I'm giving you two <laughs> points for the bonus. And how long did this streak last? How many years? Uh well, f- family. We I probably played from like age five through whatever. You never then, lost as a five year old. I all right. Maybe it was later than five. Okay, I, I, I don't remember when I first played on the farm, but but in school, sixth grade through ninth grade. Okay, all right. So that's how many? That's like four, a, that's four like, years of school. Four years of school. So that is. I'm do quick math here. That's six hundred and eight. Wednesdays. That's pretty good. Six hundred eight Wednesdays. Nice. <laughs> um, not bad at all. Okay. First was Tuesdays with Maury. Second is Wednesdays with Nathan. <laughs> um, I want to give you. I'm going to give you two points for for the original thing, and then two bonus points because I could definitely I could do that too. I'm sure I could. So um, yeah. All right, Brian, give us your number five hot streak, sir. My number five hot streak made my list because it is a yeah. literal hot streak of course i'm talking Ooh. about the time i miscalculated a fart during a grade school band concert now oh, no. oh god this is interesting it because it right happened when a tuba was playing or or, or was it um no did this would like part this of the... this would have been a little let's see age-wise probably 12 year old brian with a clarinet in his hand um you're a clarinet guy okay yeah so our grade school band uniforms were yellow like cross over 100% polyester mm-hmm. with a giant white cummerbund and then we had to Love wear a cummerbund black Love slacks. A cummerbund. I yeah. did not like the cummerbund cuz I'm pretty oh. sure I've told either this story or a portion of this story on a previous episode. Oh. You got to find the special cummerbunds for the husky boys. Uh, so there's a little <laughs> extension for yeah. the cummerbund if you need uh, yep. once in a while. So yep. there's that but I forgot what we were playing. All I remember is that this fart happened way too early in the concert. Mm-hmm. And it happened. And, you know, it's kind of one of those ones where, thank God, we have cheeks because they worked as a catcher's mitt. And <laughs> oh, what? Yes. what? so there was a, a small issue. Uh, 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 or was uh, it a big one? It was small, <laughs> but it was an exit I did not plan for. Okay. So mm-hmm. this happens mid-concert. And I have to deal with it. (laughs) But you know you can clench just right where it doesn't actually touch the pant. That's the that's the key. If it touches the pant, that means it's touching the chair. So you you stay clenched (laughs) the right way. You wait for your exit. You do your smiles. Wait for the parents. Hello. Okay. You ditch the clarinet as quickly as you can and you get to the bathroom you know no one's going to use. You go to the far bathroom by the library. You get in there. And you take a look at the damage. Now, this is still tidy whitey phase at 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Those bad boys just went right in the trash can. All right. Hey, there we go. That's <laughs> we what's, yeah. Threw them in the trash. We cleaned up. We yep. went home commando. We told no one. <laughs> and I am sure there's a few listeners who were there with me that night that don't know this story. <laughs> and we'll be learning about it. As they listen, and I cannot wait for that feedback. I I think because I've also I've also ditched underwear before. So Brian, you're immediately getting two bonus points because I could also do this. That could be <laughs> something I could do. So you 
you could also shit your pants. <laughs> yeah. And you yeah. too, listeners at home, <laughs> if you believe in yourselves, might one day yep. shit your pants. Just try hard enough. Yes. If, if you if you just have enough courage to go pizza, <laughs> chili, nachos in a twenty four hour period, you too can. Uh, no, I I think about because I because I've done this fourteen. I'm like, well, this is there's no. I don't have the tools to make this better. So I just need to burn the forest down and forget about the farm. You know, like you're just, I'm just burning it all down and I'm moving Cause what on. Are you gonna, what are you going to do? You're, fu- you're yeah. fucking second, third chair clarinets here. You're fucking mid screech. What are you going to do? Uh, conductor. Sorry. Got to take a tea. I'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> and you do yeah. that walk of shame. Cause all yeah. the instruments slowly come to an end and you're just how many, how many shut- concert musicians at Carnegie hall, like through the entire run, of its existence, do you think have had a little number two accident? Because there's got to be at least one, right? This is you can't be the only person. It's got to be mainly like tuba players and bassoonists. But yes, I think it's <laughs> definitely happened. I, I, I've actually heard that there's similar um, advice you give to someone who's about to play a fancy concert and someone who's about to run a marathon, and that is take a shit before. Uh, it's one of the <laughs> best pieces of advice. Um, it saves you during both um, a lot of times. So, but they, you know. The custodian. Good for sex too. Well, yes, yes. yes. I mean, um, that, Anything uh, that... you're about to do, shit before. Wait, wait, Nathan, you said it's good for sex. So I'm, I'm gonna write that down because I gotta make sure I'm ready for that when it happens. Okay. Um, but all the custodians in our life, because I'm sure there's so many. Like, like, do you get to a point in your custodial career where you're now mad at the kids for leaving behind their crappy underwear, or do you just feel bad for every kid that has to leave the secret behind? I'm sure I, I think it after the first time, after the first time, all the sympathy is gone. The second time you see the poopy <laughs> underwear, you're not feeling any warmth for your fellow man. I was yeah. courteous, though. I made sure that it went into the can into the bag and then i put paper towels on top of it so hopefully nobody ever even saw it well that's, oh. that's you're just a delightful guy that's because yeah. it's like you not know not everybody's going to be so courteous i know that those bathrooms have shown worse to the lovely custodial staff and that yeah. is not fair especially because i have heard of some of the things they found one person found a shrimp once in the urinal whole shrimp, shrimp in, the oh, in a great okay. school urinal weird yeah. Did, did, I'm, I'm assuming your grade school never served shrimp. No, we don't know okay. where it came from. Okay. <laughs> so, like, I think that's a lot more alarming than a pair that of was, That underwear. was actually my, my favorite Hardy Boys book as a kid was uh, <laughs> The Case of the Urinal Shrimp. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually a story about bullying and shaming your fellow man. But, uh, yeah, it's it's horrible. Wow. Okay, these, uh, Brian, I'm, I'm giving you three for that because you also, whether it's true or not, you revealed that some of your closest buds from that time are finding out about this now. That's a great yes. little tip there. Okay, we're going on to our number four hot streaks. Nathan, back to you. Um, keep it sizzling, my dude. All right, so for my number four, I wanted to go into the world of rock and roll music. Oh, and, okay. And I couldn't do just one, so if, like, if uh, I had like the Lim- permission like of the Biscuit court... Like and like Alanis Morissette. Like <laughs> right. If, if I have the court's permission, I will do a quick okay. rundown of my top five album-winning streaks leading up to my the number one, which is my number four. So here we go. Number five is the Beatles' three-album streak, Rubber Soul, okay. Revolver, Sgt. Peppers, 1965 through 1967, all classics. Okay. Unbelievable. Okay. Number four, okay. The Smiths, their entire career. The Smiths, self-titled album, 
Meet is murder. The queen is dead. Strange ways. Here we come. Every, every song a hit, every hit a smack. Number three, the Rolling Stones. Beggar's Banquet, Let It Bleed, Sticky Fingers, Exile on Main Street, 68 to 72. Absolutely in the zone. Number two, Black Sabbath. Their first six albums. Black Sabbath, Paranoid, Master of Reality, Volume 4, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, and Sabotage. Sabotage being the controversial one, but I listened to it in its entirety yesterday just to make sure I could include it. And let me tell you, it motherfucking rocks. But the number one album hot streak, which makes my number four on the list, is Led Zeppelin's first six. Led Zeppelin one, Led Zeppelin two, Led Zeppelin three, Led Zeppelin four, and what was their fifth album called? Cinco! House of, oh. Houses of the Holy. Oh. <laughs> and then and then the great double album opus, Physical Graffiti. Led Zeppelin's first six albums, every single one of them is absolute perfection. And uh, there's a, a great quote that says talking about music or writing about music is like dancing about architecture. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just go through a track by track list of the first six albums. I just suggest you listen <laughs> Thank to you. it. But but what I, I will say is is so this was from uh, 69 to 75, and and in my opinion, as a Led Zeppelin scholar, Zeppelin's actual peak was uh, 69 to 72. Uh, Late 68 yeah. to 72. They've technically formed in 68, as we all know. Yeah. But by 73, Robert Plant's voice had started to go, and, and the drugs and the alcohol had started to take their toll. Ah! But right in that... Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> right, right in that three-year window, it was just... That, so the, one of their uh, symbols is, you know, the it's like a guy with wings flying, basically Icarus flying too close to the sun. Mm -hmm. And that just sums up Led Zeppelin so perfectly. And Robert Plant's voice in particular, because he was drinking and smoking and he didn't warm up before shows. Like he famously didn't warm up and he was screaming and belting all the way to the moon and the stars every single night. Mm -hmm. And then by the time he was 25, it was like, oh, all of a sudden his voice didn't work anymore. Um, and he became an effective singer. He learned operate with his in his limitations but it was like they just burned so brightly and then uh things had to change yeah and i remember uh my girlfriend in college uh, amanda who is legitimately maybe the most talented musician i've ever met in my entire life um she once asked me like just as a hypothetical question like if you could be one person at any place in time who would you be and i said robert plant 1971 and then she made me explain. And I said, well, he was, he was like 23 years old. He had all the women and drugs and sex in the world that he could ever want. And he had an unbelievable natural ability. And she said, but would that really make you happy? And I said, <laughs> yes, of course it would. <laughs> <laughs> so for that, that one shining moment, like I, Led Zeppelin achieved, and it, it's encapsulated in the six-album run, but also this this land of decadence that they created. They, at least for themselves, created perfection. It was not sustainable, but they probably had more fun for a very short period of time than anybody else has. And there's one other weird story. is We talked on the show about how I, I'm basically afraid of everything. I'm a very neurotic man with a lot of phobias. <laughs> Jimmy Page, no, Zeppelin's no. guitarist, uh, there was... Uh, a Japanese tour they were on. Um, also, if you're a Zeppelin bootleg fan, uh, the 71 and 72 Japan tours, mwah, mwah, mwah. oh, they were okay. on fire. Okay, um, all right, let's move along, come on. 
but he 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 talked about uh how he was in this hotel and you know he was on whatever he was on and he looked out the window and there was like an air conditioning thing he's like on the 30th floor and he was like i bet i could climb over there and sit there for a while and he did and it was like he just you know no safety precautions or whatever he just felt like he felt so on top of the world that it just wasn't even a thing for him to crawl out on this just you know little crummy tin uh air conditioning unit that was shaking and he just sat there for an hour I'm like now for a guy like me <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> i was like jimmy page was so close to just plummeting to his death at the height of his powers i mean that's that blows my mind that that was the attitude they had. They really felt indestructible. And on these six albums that I mentioned, they really were. Every single one of them is perfect, except for the song, The Crunch on Houses of the Holy. Worst Zeppelin song, totally sucks. It's yeah. bullshit. Yeah. Don't listen to it. Skip it. Other than that, it's great. And if Jimmy Page would have died off that air conditioner, who who would date women in their 20s in the modern age? Like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I, I think James Woods would be glad to take up that man. So, um, uh, Nathan, you you know I, w- I was going to only give you two points, but you mentioned um, was uh, Black Sabbath, and yes. what was the the band before them you mentioned? A uh, little rock and roll group from London called the Rolling Stones. Oh, yeah. oh, so, okay, so you've you've introduced me to two bands today, which I'm going to go give those guys a listen. <laughs> So that's, that's three points for just spreading knowledge, which I love that. Um, and I'm not a musician, uh, and, and I, I can only do the, ah, you know, just for like a little bit, which doesn't count for like a whole song. So I'm not going to give you two bonus points for that because I wouldn't be able to do this hot streak. So um, very nice number four, though. Brian, o- over to you, my dude. All right. Thank you, Mitch. That is a great impression of Robert Plant stubbing his toe. You're thank so you. Good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what a nightmare it would be to live with him. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, my number four is my overnight roulette session from 2019. Oh. Now, mm-hmm. what makes this fascinating is I don't gamble the way professional gamblers gamble. <laughs> like I like, okay. what do I got? I got like 40 bucks. Yeah. All right. I- I've never played this table before. Let's see what happens. So this would have been probably only like the second or third time I had the courage to go sit at a table, not go sit at an electronic machine. I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I want to try it. It's, it's late at night. Who cares? I sat down at about midnight to 1230. This would have been at Four Winds, New Buffalo in Michigan. Okay. Sat down, put 40 bucks down, started playing. I was playing for about two hours. Okay. And then I kind of got up to like maybe 200 bucks or something. And then we were playing a little bit longer and then kind of went down again. And then the table hot streak hit for over 12 spins in a row. Mm-hmm. The ball landed in the first 12 numbers. Whoa. Consistently. 12 times 12. I love that. I love that. That, yes. that symmetry there. So it was like, I was so nervous. I'm not throwing out bets the way people usually do. They start throwing things, blah, blah, blah. And every single gambler at the table is like, it's going to switch. It's going to go to the other dozens, guys. It's going to end. And I'm like, if you just put $1 down, (laughs) you'll get 35 back. So put a dollar on every 12 and you'll make 20 something dollars every spin, you morons. Yeah. So that's what I started doing. I was like, I'm, if I keep riding the streak 
and it eventually ends, I would have lost $12 at the end of that, even though it was a $15 table. So every spin you had to put down at least 15. So I'm just picking random numbers in the first 12 and then start covering the streets. So one, two, three, you could just bet those three numbers or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I'm just throwing chips there all the time. Two and a half hours later, I've turned $40 into $440 and I walk away. Wow. And it was the, the most exciting streak on the table. Everyone was having fun. The dealer was having fun. The pit boss caught onto it and switched the dealer and it still kept landing in the first 12. And it was like, there was no cheating going on. There was, it was just dumb luck and everyone was enjoying it at the same time. The crew included, which was like, this how is, cool is that? This is bringing a tear to my eye as, <laughs> as someone with a lifelong gambling problem. This just, oh, these, these are the things I get up in the morning for. Brian, what's your number that you play in roulette? Is it in the first dozen or did you switch or did you switch for this, uh, this session? So it's probably been too early for me to have numbers. None okay. of my true, I mean, eight and 10, I would probably play. Okay. Eight, 10, 11, I like in the, in the first. Um, yeah. But uh, my favorite numbers are 17, 20, 23, and 34. Okay. 17. I play, I play, I play 17. I play 23. I play 33 and 34. Oh my gosh. This is, <laughs> guys, we have reached the apex of Uber Cinco. Brian and I play the same roulette numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no rhyme or reason for it. It's just been like, I've happened to hit those the most when I've sat down. 17, 20, and 23 are fairly close to each other on the wheel. So I like, I just, hopefully it'll land in that section and we'll see what happened. And if I'm playing at a table where a lot of people are playing and nobody's played 23, I'll put three or four chips on 23 for the goat just mm -hmm. to make sure it's covered. Mm-hmm. Eight times out of ten, it hits. Yeah. Oh, when eight nobody times else out of ten. Yeah. When nobody you heard else it here first, folks. When nobody else eight plays times it. out of ten on the roulette wheel. Spoken. You're going to break Vegas now. Spoken when like a man who has full. three hotel stays waiting for him in Vegas. <laughs> yes. So that is not a scientific ratio, but <laughs> take it to the bank. Take it to the bank. Okay, so I, I, obviously 23, as you said, Jordan. 33, Scotty Pippen. Who's 34 for Nathan? I, when, when I was a senior in high school, we uh, we combined forces with another school for our basketball team. So my home jersey was the Roseville 33. Or no, uh, that was the away jersey and the home jersey. I wore the Yorkwood, and they didn't have 33, so I wore 34. Oh, strange. What a weird number not to have in the state of Illinois as a high school team. Yeah, I was really fucking pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> wait, so 34 would have been um, – oh, wait, no. Or, or was or did you wear thirty three for Patrick Ewing, or was it for Scotty Pippen? Uh, it was for Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Oh, it was for Kareem. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, Scotty Pippen, all the way. Everybody all the way. knows. Everyone knows. Um, Brian, um, did, were you drinking at all during this run? I was not actually. You didn't have any. You didn't have one single Red Bull and gin. I probably was drinking before I sat down, but I didn't okay. get off the table for four and a half hours. Mitch, Mitch, you're not the compulsive gambler that Brian and I are. You don't understand the <laughs> natural high you can get off watching that ball bounce along the wheel. You also, don't need any. As I, as I said, I started at 1230. And yeah. if either of you boys know, mm. 
alcohol makes me sleepy. <laughs> so uh, that's like a bad choice for me. Like after midnight, if I started just getting whiskeys and stuff and sitting there, I would have been passed out at the table. Sir, you need to leave now. Yeah. We, we'll wheel I, you to your room. The the only time I've played roulette uh, all night, I was just betting whatever, like, you know, half yeah. and half, whatever, just to, like stay at the table. And I just was like just trying to chat up the, the, the dealer and other people at the table so much. The dealer had to ask me to like stop talking so much. Um, so <laughs> he's like, we're here to gamble, not fucking chit chat. Shut up. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, the conversation depends. It depends if you got a chatty table or not. If well, you yeah, don't have I, a chatty table, I was an annoying ass motherfucker. I'm sure because I was like, you know, 24 and drunk. So you know, I believe but. I've told on the show before the time I was playing at Bellagio next to a woman from Minnesota who had the thickest accent ever, and that oh, was yeah? a great <laughs> conversation <laughs> because then these random people started coming to the table that were just coming in halfway through, but. She Did was she, the one who would say, she's like, when's your birthday? And I was like, it's the 28th. And she put like $15 on the 28th. And I'm like, I'll join you. And I put like 10 bucks on there. Boom, it hit. Big celebration. Wow. This is like, well, it's time to walk. And she's like, I'm going to stay. <laughs> I was like, you do that. <laughs> uh, it was uh, an expensive table. <laughs> I had to cash out and go home. <laughs> I, I remember... Uh, New Year's Eve 2008 to 2009, uh, I spent at the Catfish Bend Casino in Burlington, Iowa. Oh. And oh. a friend of mine, we were riding over there, a friend of mine that I grew up with, her name's Megan. She hadn't been to a casino before. And she was like, well, I don't I mean, What am I going to do when I get in there? And uh, I knew the layout of the casino. So I said, okay, Megan, you're going to get in here. We're going to, they're going to card us. We're going to walk in. There's going to be the slots here, the tables here. Over to the left, you're going to see a sign that says women. You're going to walk in there and you're going to take $1 at a time and you're going to flush it down the toilet. And you are going to have just as much fun as everybody else. <laughs> that's, that's about I mean, right. Yep, that's about right. Um, Brian, I'm, I'm going to give you three points for this because um, I love I love stories about people winning cash. And that's what that whole story was about. So, and you could do it too, Mitch. And I could do it too. So that's two bonus points as well. So we're going back to Nathan now. For his number three. Brian, did you have something to add in? Sorry. You, I just you, wanted to make sure you only risk $40 at a time. Do not, oh, yes. Please yeah, do yeah. not put $1,000 on 23. We are not liable. Trademark UBK Studios. <laughs> so. <laughs> Nathan, your number three, please. I'm going with an actor. Really? An, an actor who huh. just was on fire in the 1970s and his entire career was gold. John Cazale. <laughs> Okay, so today's stare down um, is is actor v actor. Brian, let us know about your legendary actor that you chose. I did not have John Cazale, but I do have Tom Hanks, ninety two to 04. Wow. Okay, so Nathan, I know you've you've we've talked about Cazale's run before on this show, so I'm hoping you bring us a, a couple little extra nuggets here for your hot streak description here. I just want to put that out there before you start, just so just get that in your brain, put that in your nugget sack up top, um, and give me give me some give me your your take. Well, I'll I'll, I'll run it down chronological yep. order, yep. and we I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk very much on this because our listeners have heard me ramble on about the Godfather Part Two before, <laughs> but. <laughs> 
which so is John Cazale, which is the third best of the series. We know it goes three one two, obviously. Dadoy, Okay, I'm sorry for wasting everyone's time. Nathan, please proceed. John Cazale's first movie was The Godfather, mm-hmm. which what a debut. Then he was in the conversation. Then The Godfather Part Two. Hmm. Then Dog Day Afternoon, also Ooh. with Al Pacino. He really was just hanging around with a couple of guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, then he was in The Deer Hunter, which mm-hmm. have either of you seen The Deer Hunter? I saw it way too young. I was like ten when my dad showed it to me, and I I was scarred and don't remember. A lot I of it, but I saw it for the first time a couple of weeks ago, and I'm 35, and I was way too young. It is <laughs> the most depressing movie in the history of time. And also, I found it amazing that so the director of The Deer Hunter, Michael Cimino, then made a movie called, I think, Heaven's Gate, which is regarded as one of the worst movies in the history of time. And it ruined his career. And I, what an industry where you can make something that's regarded as an absolute classic and then everybody finds out you have no talent about six weeks later. Um, (laughs) That's the movies, folks. Uh, So. Anyways, uh, John Cazale was playing Fredo. He plays these very vulnerable characters. He brings humanity into these dark stories, but also uh, always a little bit of humor. High hairline, um, too. A lot, lot of high hairlines. The, the, the high hairline. Yeah. The, the highest of hairlines. Mm-hmm. A very strangely shaped skull. But <laughs> he, he made the deer hunter while he knew he had terminal cancer. Mm. Wow. And mm. just to top this off for everybody, he was on this unbelievable hot streak. Every single one of these movies nominated for best picture every movie he ever made wow that's incredible that is incredible and he did this all while being engaged to meryl streep the greatest actor of all time oh that is so who got so did did they meet each other at yale or something is that what it was do you know or is it just uh in 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 the hollywood uh pleasure pits i i think they may I, I I actually couldn't get a definitive answer on this. I was looking at, but I think they mm-hmm. may have met on the, the deer hunter shoot. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Shit. As wow. As okay. I mean, also that's in the deer hunter. That's a pretty solid run there. Okay. So you said, is it five movies total? Is that you said five? Yep. Okay. So after it was a Godfather, the conversation yep. he's yep. heating up and then Godfather <laughs> two, right? Right. He's on fire. That man can't hit a three-pointer. <laughs> He's blocking uh-huh. every attempt from the other team. Uh, Brian, over to you for your number two. My number two, Tom Hanks. This is yeah. I have this for longevity. Yeah. Because I was trying to look up here his uh, his. Because uh, there's some Oscar there's some run. holes in this list. You, you sent me the list. There's some holes in this one here. Now. Here's what I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna read the read them in order because I say it starts with a league of their own for me, and I believe the streak ends at the terminal. Okay. Here, also, B- Brian, I'm gonna go add ahead. on an extra challenge for you. Okay. Yes. In my opinion, when you're going through this list, when you list off a movie that I think is a hole in this list, say li- list the movie and go big hole. Okay. Right, <laughs> Got it. <laughs> All right. All right. 1992, a league of their own. 1993, Sleepless in Seattle, big hole. <laughs> 93 Philadelphia, 94 Forrest Gump, 95 Apollo 13, 95 Toy Story, 96 That Thing You Do, Big Hole, 98 Saving Private Ryan, 98 You've Got Mail, Big Hole, uh, 99 Toy Story 2, 99 Green Mile, 2000 Castaway, 02 Road to Perdition, 02 Catch Me If You Can, 04 Lady Killers, Big Hole, 
and 04, the terminal. Okay, you, you shouldn't have you included were 04. 04 is toss that out. Okay, Mitch, <laughs> am I close? You got everything except the green mile. That was you don't a big like hole. the green mile. That was a big hole in my book, but. But for getting, you know, was it seventy five percent or eighty percent? I think that's that that's that's pretty good. So I will I will continue to listen to your take. Yeah. So my take is like whether this movie was made for us or not, it contributed to him being this leading man for this long. Mm-hmm. Um, Sleepless in Seattle and that thing you do are the only two I haven't seen personally on this. I and love that thing you do. I think that's a fun movie. That's that his also first good. writing. That's yeah. his first writing credit too, which is why I included it because I think that's important for Tom Hanks to be able to continue this run. And I know Lady Killers is a is a not popular choice at all. I enjoyed that the first time I saw. It. I saw it when I was fourteen, and he's just nuts in it. He's just bananas of a character, and that weird <laughs> laugh I, that he does. I love it. Yeah. So I know I'm supposed to be competing against Brian, but I actually have to bolster his case here. Is in the midst of this, he also was heavily involved a band of brothers in the year 2000. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. One of the best TV series ever made. Yes. He has yeah. a brief role in that. I didn't include it because he was more on and the, like, yeah. Did you did you include the, the Toy Story movies in there? I did. One and two yeah. are, are, are in this run here. And yeah. I ended with The Terminal because I think The Terminal is one of the most underrated Tom Hanks movies. If you haven't seen it again, it's very heartstring pulley. But because it is remnant of the Sleepless in Seattle type rom-com things, but it's shot by Janusz Kaminski. So it's like the most pretty way you would ever see an airport Mm -hmm. that fits this story that's very pretty about a guy who's (laughs) only trying to fulfill the goal his father had, which is just pretty. Brian, I've seen some fucking pretty airports in my day. Oh, but this... uh, no one could shoot the hell out of an airport like Janusz. So that's yeah. that's the terminal is, I think, kind of ends this streak here. But that's a twelve year streak. Yeah, that's a pretty good acting streak. Yeah, I would have to say. Yeah, most of those I would have no problem sitting down, rewatching several times and not getting bored of them. A couple of them we know big holes, but overall, I'm playing roulette on this. Uh, pretty good odds. Yeah, you are. You're you're leaving up. For sure, after yes. a night of of Tom Hanks gambling. Um, see now, th- there's there's one thing that, that both of these there's a weakness in both of these in that actors are such a small part of a movie that like they don't have as much control over it. And I know that you you can say, oh, gambling, you don't have as much control over it as well, but you still have to make the number choice or play the cards, whatever it is. So neither of you are getting <clears throat> would get a full three points normally for this, but of course it's a stare down, so I have to give someone three points. And I think only because this is a very simple reason. Tom Hanks is the lead in all of these and is leading a number of these projects or putting them together. I'm gonna give Brian the edge here. Um even though there were some holes in there, but uh as a supporting actor, you are just you're I fit you're just kind of an add-on, you know. So um I I, I know that's just like a super logical, kind of boring, very intelligent way to approach it, but that's how I do it when I host. So, um, Brian, you're getting the three points. Uh, Nathan, awesome. uh, better luck next time, right? That's what a hot streak's all about. Um, yep. But 
I could absolutely do what John, John Cazale did. So I'm going to give Nathan two bonus points. I don't know if I could do what Tom Hanks did. Um, I would love to see Mitch with his uh, cute little Minnesota <laughs> accent as Fredo. I'm smart. I'm not dumb. I'm smart. Come on. I'm smart. I miss. Come on, you guys. Come on. I'm pretty smart here. Let I me broke take your heart. I broke your heart. Nah. -uh. <laughs> Let me go out to Vegas. I'll make sure all of this is just right and ra right as rain when you get out there. You know. Come on. <laughs> oh, hey. Whose hands do you want the quality of the buffet in, huh? Who's me? I I know how to do a good buffet. Here we go. All right. Um, <laughs> that was Nathan's number three. Brian, your number two has been taken care of. So, Brian, we have to go back to your number three. Give us that before we move on. So, my number three, I did pick a director. Okay. And it is a shorter hot streak. It's a three-movie run. Okay. But I think they are three classics. And I love going back to these. I picked okay. Penny Marshall, 1988 to oh. 1992. So okay. we got we got two Hanks in here as well. So we're going with Big, Awakenings, and then A League of Their Own. Three very different movies, okay, but all very, very <laughs> solid movies. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I could have made this before last week because I saw Awakenings for the first time. It oh. popped up on a streaming thing. I had never seen it. I've heard so much about it. I'm like, how have I not seen this movie? And I watched it in bed while Jenny was sleeping because I could not fall asleep. But I turned it on, and I'm sitting there weeping in bed watching Awakening. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> they don't figure it out again. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So awesome performance by Robert De Niro, Robin Williams, and that. Then you got Hank's one of my favorite movies as a kid, Big. I mean, everything that leads up to that piano scene in the FAO shorts or whatever it is, like, come on, pure mm -hmm. classic. Who doesn't want to be a big kid uh, and work for a toy store for a living mm -hmm. and then have weird sexual encounters while you're like 13? <laughs> whatever. <laughs> There's a lot of then dark, dark storylines from 80s films that seem yes. way more. And then you go hardcore drama with Awakenings, which is just awesome. And then A League of Their Own was something I remember watching when I was a kid and being like, I like this Hanks guy. <laughs> like, I remember watching that and being like, oh, this is cool. Oh, oh, that's What's-Her-Face from Free Willy. Because that's where I knew she was from. And I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. Gina Davis, she's from uh, uh, Stuart Little. <laughs> like, this is how I'm connecting it at that point. And then when I rewatched it as an adult, I'm like, oh, yeah, it is a really good movie, you I, dumbass kid. I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking at the Awakenings uh, Wikipedia page. Vin Diesel is in Awakenings. Is he really? It says Vin Diesel. He must what? have been. Vin they, Diesel I mean, appears had... in. So what? This came out in nineteen ninety. So okay, he would have been about in his like early twenties. Vin yeah, Diesel. I mean, that wow. Okay, that they had a lot of mind. people. To, a lot of a lot of a lot of wait, 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 wait. Vin Diesel is well. You remember 84? the you remember the uh, you remember the big car crash scene in Awakenings where it, it goes over the bridge and and somebody flies out shooting a machine gun. That yeah, that was Vin oh. Diesel. Yeah, it's the That's, opening. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Doesn't he like he he shoots the guy and then he lands and rolls and he gets up and he goes, "Welcome back to the movies." And then he's like. <laughs> We're now your family. <laughs> um, Brian, uh, do, uh, what are some other Penny Marshall movies that you've seen? And, like, why do you think thi this little crop is better than some other, uh, other work? Because this is the hot streak that I like. Okay. <laughs> the rest of them, I don't think there is a streak. 
after this. I never saw Renaissance Man. I never saw some of her, her other stuff after this. Okay. But it's this realm of Penny Marshall is what like really fits like what I would like and or experience because of my age. Okay. So if I would have seen Awakenings probably earlier in my life, this would have been a no-brainer. Sure. But uh, because of uh, more recent viewings, it's definitely solidified. And I'm like, the fact that that is the bridging movie between these two other movies I really like. And for a director to have three hot movies in a row mm-hmm. that are so vastly different, That's true. I think is a pretty legitimate streak. Well, awards aside, I'm talking about longevity in terms of people considering them to be classics and all that. To have three really good classics in a row, I think, is, is really difficult to do. Um, that that is a very good point. I, w- I was gonna say uh, maybe I could do this, but I I don't know if if I could do big and then awakenings and then and then a league of their own. That's that's a that's I think that'd be a tough a tough uh, lift for me as a person. So I'm I, I'm not gonna give you bonus points there. Um, Fair enough. And maybe I should have more self confidence, but I just I just I've never directed a major motion picture before. So um, hey, and none of us are gonna be Penny Marshall. That's for sure. Well, maybe you could be Gary Marshall. I was going to say one of my favorite hot streaks is Gary Marshall's insert day hot streak. Correct. You know, Those whatever. you could do in your yeah. sleep. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. Also, did did uh, Gary Marshall did, did he direct um, uh, Wahlberg's Patriots Day? Is that did he do that one? No, no, he didn't. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's not... <laughs> sounds like a Pete Berg movie. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, Brian, I'm giving you two points for this one for your for your Penny Marshall hot streak. We're going to go back over to Nathan for his number two. Um, Hen and Fence, slide us that greasy one right now, please. <laughs> uh, well, they used to say that in badminton all the time. <laughs> yeah. Here comes the greasy one, folks. Here comes one greasy shuttlecock. Uh, Get it on a t shirt. Uh, so, I mean, this is. In, in any normal universe, this sure. would be the obvious number one for any human being who okay. has been aware of life. It's from 1991 to 1998, if Michael Jordan played a full season, the Chicago Bulls won the NBA championship. They didn't lose. They didn't lose to anybody. There's there's not m- much more to say. They didn't lose. Okay. Okay. <laughs> they did not lose. Okay. Hold on. They didn't lose. Hold on. Okay. Okay. You can count 90 to 93 or whatever, or 91, 92, 93. That's a streak. 96, yes. 97, 98. That's a streak. You yes. can't, you can't pick and choose. You can't just slice out the middle of something and be like, Oh, this is one big streak. Now all of a sudden I take, but you can't say big hole, but you, but, but, you, <laughs> but you can, you can, because the guy wasn't there. He wasn't playing. So now hold on. Now, now, now we know this too. The reason he left was because he'd been having some big hot streaks at some casinos, right? He was gambling too much <laughs> no, and he was no. gambling on NBA games. And David Stern said, Michael, time to cool your heels for just a season or two. Give us, give someone else a chance to win. That, that, that makes so much sense. This theory yes, makes so much sense because David Stern hates, hated, he's, May you rest in peace. He hated making money, and nobody made him more money than Michael Jordan. So he definitely would want Michael Jordan to not play basketball. Well, no, see, now the headlines were cooling on Michael, so he needed a way to, to bring back the heat to Michael's name. So he says, let's let's leave him out of the game for a little bit. He'll go and fix his gambling problem because he's been betting on basketball games too much. He'll go play baseball for a year. Right? This is all true. I, I read this somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> this, this is... 
God, I hate this. this out of all the conspiracy <laughs> theories, this I mean, is should, the one I hate the I most. Mean, I mean, shouldn't we just ask the questions though, at the very least, just to get to the answers? Like, I mean, yeah, it facts. has it has it has nothing to do with the fact that his father was murdered. That he might, you know, go off the rails a little bit. Yeah, and do a lot of gambling, that, and so he started play. gambling on basketball games, right? Against his is that was that. There, there, I love. I, I, I hate the fact that I'm going to even respond to this, but I, I guess I have to. But no, I'm not going. I'm not going to. It would be too. It would be too much. It would be too okay. much if I pointed out the fact that there were no basketball games played between his last game and his father being murdered, so there was nothing to bet on. It would make too much sense. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. Well, so okay. Oh, also, also in you, the also yes. all right here. I, I'm, okay. I'm coming up with this on the fly. Yep. On the fly. Okay. On the fly. There's a bridge between the ni- the 91 to 93 and the 96 to 98, and that is, of course, that he made the greatest American film of all time, Space Jam. <laughs> Boom. There we go. Hot streak. Hot streak. Oh, <laughs> the greatest live action plus animated 65-minute commercial in the history <laughs> of McDonald's and Nike and Coca-Cola. Um, it is really short when I watch it. <laughs> This is barely an hour ten. <laughs> what happened? Uh, hey, yeah. Bill Murray and Wayne Knight are fantastic in that movie, and I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> Actually, okay, here this is this is the one thing that's going to save you on Space Jam. Bill Murray is wearing a St. Paul Saints hat in it, which is my hometown, St. Paul, and Saints were the local independent minor league team. So you're going to get a point back from there, which will give you um, one point for this whole thing. Um, <laughs> But but honestly, with how diluted the league was at that point, how little talent there was in the Eastern Conference, Here I could go. have done this. And so <laughs> they're going to get two bonus points. Um, so yeah, gonna... Actually, I'm, I'm actually fine with that because yeah. fuck you, Reggie Miller. <laughs> uh, I, hope, I hope your blood is boiling, Nathan. Okay, let's go back to Brian. Brian, you give us your number one. Um, Start the last round here. Give it to me right. good. Slide me that icy one, baby. Come on, make it cold. All right. Here comes a well-greased shuttlecock right for your face. <laughs> you this is my number one hot streak okay. because it still affects us today. Oh. That is Genghis Khan. <laughs> I love so, it. All right. Now, he and his immediate descendants ended up ruling 11 to 12 million contiguous miles from the Pacific to the Caspian Sea. So ruling that much land in Asia is actually more than the entire continent of Africa. Wow. One dude figured this out in whatever 60-something years of life before he died. Um, That's impressive enough because it's bigger than the Roman Empire. It's bigger than the, the... uh, Greek Empire. It's bigger than all this shit. And now his hot streak has nothing, had a lot to do with the land, but he continued it. He took it from the battlefield to the bedroom, both willfully and forcefully. We are not debating his ethics or character here, but just the length of said hot streak. To this day, one in 200 men are related to him. Wow. Now, th- that affects us to this day. <laughs> That's a long wow. hot streak. Not yeah. even just that. One in 200 adult males are related to him. His last known direct living ruling descendant was removed by force in 1920. Holy shit. 
And what? Where was that? Yeah, where was that? Do you know where that uh, was? I, I, there was not a lot of details about this because I, I it was I was somewhere obviously in southern Asia there, but I don't know if it was just a small town or whatever. But either way, it was believed he had twenty thousand direct descendants. Oh my god! From his conquests, and uh, yeah, this person was removed from force in nineteen twenty. He died. Genghis Khan died in twelve twenty seven, I believe. Jesus Christ! So I, I have a question about this. Just, yes. If either of you have a theory, I would love to hear it. But you said he he was in control. Eight to nine of... inches, probably. <laughs> <laughs> you said he was in control of this enormous landmass. But back then, like, I mean, I I could have said I was in control of something a thousand miles away because the communication, like, it's like you actually don't know what's going on over there. Like, they could be burning your picture in the. In, you know, like, see, this is why I think it's more of a longevity winning streak. Hey, I'm going to keep going west <laughs> and I won. So now I'm going to keep going. Therefore, everything yeah. behind me is mine. And whether that stayed that way or not, it's like, well, yeah, yo, you ended up winning the furthest. <laughs> whether you right. were still actually in command is a whole nother thing. I've just but, always been fascinated by this uh, idea, like this mindset of, you know, ancient, you know, people on their conquests. It's like, what are you actually doing? Because you have literally no idea what's happening a thousand miles behind you. And so, I, I read a very truncated history of this for obviously this is just a dumb podcast, but there oh. was... Hey, uh, hey, hey, we are not hey. we are not history. We are not giving you facts here. Folks. We are we making are here history inter- right here. <laughs> <are> making it <laughs> and being fun. But I'm sorry, I did not read a full dissertation on Genghis Khan before okay. this. That's OK. But there were some things where he would go after the lower class of an area he was trying to rule being like, hey, here's the deal. Let's be civil about this. If not, we're going to kill you. And then if he was either double crossed or whatever he would just take all their peasants and make them soldiers for him. Therefore, mm. they had nobody to rule. <laughs> so it was like, you're wow. ours now. We'll feed you. That's why you see me as boss. Yeah. Let's keep going. <laughs> so, this, guy was, this guy was out of his mind. Wow. Well, yeah. And it's what's funny is they technically, I think, only recognize like four sons from his first marriage as like his actual sons. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure they said he had over 50 wives in his, in his life. He must have been like just people he considered wives, not people he had procreated with. Sure. But to do the math for as many people as he affected, he basically had to be having sex about five to 10 times a day with five to 10 different women. I the, the, the amount of like of like tiger bones that had been dried and ground into dust, and he was snorting for the virility just to do all that must have been. <laughs> I mean, he must have been just powder all over his nostrils constantly. I mean, that's a triple hot streak. Then I mean, that's true. Yeah, d- dude's high for like sixty something years. He's got a bunch of kids. He's got a bunch of land. He thinks. Yeah. And we're still talking about him today. That's a pretty, a pretty yeah. damn long hot streak, I say. It's it, it's always shocking when you hear like how much drugs had a part in like keeping armies going. You know? Oh yeah. They're like, oh my god, how did that? How did that mob do that? And like, well, they were all high on meth for five days straight. You know? It's like, 
Like they were just we eating. Chinese invented opiates. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's pretty easy to keep a bunch of shoulders, uh, soldiers dependent. Yeah. Oh, boy. Are um, any of you boys watching Dope Sick by any chance on Hulu right now? No. I highly recommend it. One, Michael Keaton at the helm there uh, about the uh, Oxycontin epidemic. Mm. And it is horrifying. But probably explains a lot of what Genghis Khan did. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, Brian, intense, historical. Um, I'm going to give you actually. Sorry. Oh, my gosh. Sorry, Nathan. You, you need to give me your number one. I, I'm sorry. I, I jumped ahead. Give us your number one. Uh, slide us that greasy one, my, my dude. <laughs> All right, so we uh, we had our little fun yeah. on my number two talking about sure. this Michael Jordan character. Yeah. Yep, you know who who some some misguided people would call the greatest American athlete of all time. These fools, Carl Malone, number one. <laughs> Sorry, keep there going. There is one man <laughs> who puts all of this to shame. Can you can you imagine a world where there is an athlete, mm -hmm. a competitor? A champion hmm. who competes at his state level and wins 35 years in a row. Oh, my God. And then goes to the national competition and wins 18 out of 20 years. I am talking about the GOAT, the legend, the greatest competitor in any any area <laughs> in sports or uh, intellectual competition, anything. <laughs> the GOAT, Frank the Tank, Henenfent. 35 oh. straight corn husking competition wins. This man <laughs> is the greatest American athlete who has ever lived. <laughs> Babe Ruth, I don't think so. Muhammad Ali, get out of here. Michael Jordan, whatever. It's over. Frank Henenfent has won 35 straight Illinois State corn husking competitions, and none of them have been close. And he has won 18 <laughs> out of 20 national competitions. And I would argue very very fervently for hours on end <laughs> that the only reason he lost was because of weather conditions. Okay. The weather conditions <laughs> are very important in corn husking. And the fact that he has not deviated from his uh, statistics because the weather's different every year, boys. And he's oh. still won that many times means he is the unquestionable greatest of all time. My uncle Frank, the greatest <laughs> corn husker who has ever lived. For people who aren't from East Jesus Nowhere, can you explain <laughs> what a corn husking competition is? Well, Brian, corn husking is a competition <laughs> on who can husk the most corn. And that is... he gets a little bit of detail on this. Is he driving a tractor? Is he flying through a field? I mean, is he just. Well, some uh, what's have... he doing? Some of the more poetic journalists have described him as flying through the field as he's husking the corn. <laughs> but, but so you're in the field. This is how you used to harvest corn. You wear a, a, a metal hook on the hand, which I believe I have been made fun of on this show for, for owning before. Um, yes. You, you, you pull the uh, husk off the ear. You snap the ear out of the stalk. You toss it past your, your own human ear into a wagon, and then you move on. Uh, sometimes pulled by horses, other times by a tractor. If you want to, you know, poo-poo uh, on tradition, you know. <laughs> I, but this this is uh, this used to be a competition back in like the twenties and thirties. They would have a hundred thousand people would show up to these contests. Damn! And uh, the winners would get marriage proposals from like lots of women because these are like, oh, these these are the guys who can 
really, uh, you know, got quick take hands. care of family. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, great they with their provide. hands, and they can also, yeah, provide for a family. Yeah, and then of course, uh, the war happened, and um, another thing called technology happened, and so it became completely useless. But then my uh, <laughs> uncle Bill Gillen and some other people, so my grandma's brother, old uncle Bill, he uh, he and some people revived the contests, and they happen in. When I say national champion, I mean eight states. There are eight states that uh, <laughs> revive the competition, uh, which is still going. And uh, my Uncle Frank, uh, under the tutelage of Uncle Bill, learned the trade and then became the most dominant force in the history <laughs> of American competition. And I would argue even the world. Nice. I would, you know, I, even though you said it's just eight states, I wouldn't poo-poo that because, you know, the World Series, we're just one of, you know, th what, 200 and some countries. So saying national championship, I think you can be proud in saying that because not every yes. state grows corn. Um, well, I'm, I'm not afraid of if, if uh, New Hampshire wants to send a Cornhusker over this way, I'll take them on personally. I'm not afraid of that. I mean, you're talking about a state just riddled with meth. Yeah, New Hampshire, send your best, best <laughs> meth guy over here. Frank will <laughs> kick his ass. Easy peasy. My Legitimately, one of the proudest moments of my life was 2006. Uh, the I I participated in the men's open class of the Cornhusking. I I myself am a state Cornhusking champion, uh, but in this oh. particular year, myself and there. my cousin Andrew, who is Uncle Frank's son, we entered the same class as uh, Uncle Frank in the contest uh, because we wanted to finish one, two, and three, and we did. And uh, so we have a picture. The, the three best Cornhuskers in the state of Illinois was Uncle Frank, my cousin Andrew, and me. And that is a very proud moment for our family. All hen and fence. All the time. Yep. That's awesome. And also, and also I, I have to shout out my sister, uh, who has won uh, about, like, I don't know, several state champions in the uh, uh, women's division. Dang. Um, I, I have a question here. Compare, do you know, compared to the Huskers in the, you know, pre-World War One even or post-World War One before World, World War II, a lot, right. of, a lot of W's there. How, how does their poundage compare to Frank's poundage? <laughs> Are we talking about corn husking? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, no, Frank, Frank would, uh, Frank would still be uh, at the top of the top of the pile. That's cool. That's cool. So, so you're saying if That's Frank cool. was alive in like 1918, he'd have like 35 uh, virgin milkmaids throwing themselves at his feet to, to to marry him. He would, but I don't know if he would want to go back because he's used to having 70. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, that's a nice little way to end it. Um, always with numbers. We love quick math here. 35 plus 35, <laughs> 70. Thank you. That's one for me. Um, my first point of the game today. Um, okay, guys, I have to tally a few scores. That means you have to talk amongst yourselves, which I will give you a topic. Um, how long is the perfect amount of time to um, – hmm, what's, what's a good – what's the perfect amount of time to write – a heartfelt letter. All right, go for that. Uh, it, it, it's got to be five minutes. You got to have one minute of prep, two <laughs> minutes of writing, two minutes of editing, and one minute of debating on whether or not you're going to send it. Yeah. <laughs> the the, the self-doubt is the last minute. That's the most important part. 
I'm going to say six minutes. I need a little bit more time for doubt. <laughs> that's 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 me right there. All right, you guys. That was great hearing about your writing letter um, <laughs> capabilities. That and now great. I have the final scores here. Um, hey. In a, in a tight one, a tight, high-scoring affair today. Uh, Brian, you are a champ today. You scored 17 to Nathan's 15. Um, oh, wait, actually, I'm so sorry. Uh, wait, no. I couldn't do I couldn't do Genghis Khan and I could not do Uncle Frank either. Let's be honest. I've tried not not happening. So yes, seventeen to fifteen. Brian, you are a victor today. Congratulations. Um, I hope you are very proud of yourself because um, you should be because you. I am. This is now you're you're starting a streak right now. Think of it like yeah. that. Starting a hot streak. Okay, now it's time for the Fast Five, boyos. Here we go. The Fast Five today. Top five. Tiffany and Co. items for that special someone. Do you guys both know what Tiffany is? I just want to ask that up top. We are aware, yeah. Okay. Overpriced jewelry. Got it. No, uh uh. No, no, no. A A classic American brand. Yes, with Tiffany Blue. Okay, number five. The Tiffany Save the Wild Lion Brooch. 18K rose gold with round, brilliant diamonds. This two inch tall brooch of a proud African lion is for the nature lover in your life. Help save the lions by wearing this brooch to your cousin's spring brunch, where you can make it clear how awful that one dentist from Minnesota was for killing Cecil. Knowing full well, <laughs> Tiffany & Co. has your back in saving the wild Serengetis and its apex predator. The Tiffany Lion Brooch, it roars back at the world that you care, but lets you off the hook for having to go and do something. The Lion Brooch, a perfect Thanksgiving gift, is yours now for $2,900. Number four, the Airplane Bank. Every young boy in your life wanted to be a pilot at some point, right? There's no better feeling than the independence and freedom of the skies. But every little future pilot has to start somewhere. So start them here, as Tiffany Baby Designs bring a modern twist to classic toys and childhood favorites. Crafted of sterling silver with striking attention to detail, this airplane bank makes a charming first savings account. Teach the boy in your life who only wants wings, the value of a dollar, and a hard day's work with a spirited change bank. Land it in his hangar for only $3,200. Number three. The American Walnut Sugar Shovel. Everyone knows somebody who just can't get enough Java. Brian, Brian, you know what I'm talking about. And the Tiffany Blue Accent adds a whimsical touch to the sterling silver and American Walnut Sugar Shovel. Perfect for shoveling that sweet, sweet white or raw sugar into your morning go juice. Buzz, buzz, buzz. Who wants a cup of hot Java? I'll take it sweet, please. And how sweet this sugar shovel is. A true heritage bargain at $200. Number two. The Sterling Silver Tin Can. Got an architect in your life that desperately needs a random can to put pens and pencils in? Then the <laughs> Tiffany Sterling Silver Tin Can is perfect for your gifting needs. For the person who knows tin cans exist, but aren't sure if they've ever had food out of one before, the Tiffany Tin <laughs> Can comes with a thin blue line. No, not that one. To let you know, it's <laughs> Tiffany. Bring this pencil home to your friend's penthouse for a measly $1,100. But wait. Oh. Wanted to say Archibald's pens on the side? Custom engraving only requires an appointment with a style consultant and $125. Number one on the top five Tiffany items for that special someone, the Sterling Silver Greenhouse. Got a green thumb? Love the idea of growing your own tomatoes? Perhaps you can't get enough basil in your chef-prepared Italian pasta dishes, you know, like spaghetti? then the Tiffany Greenhouse just might be the perfect icebreaker for all those conversations. Built over the course of nine months and nearly 1,000 hours in the Tiffany Hollowware Workshop, this luxurious design brings unexpected Tiffany style to any space. Time-honored smithing techniques and cutting-edge technology combine to transform a utilitarian item into a modern work of art. 
standing at almost 18 inches high and nearly 27 inches long, this gleaming greenhouse will make your polo club friends ask, is that a small replica of a larger greenhouse? And you'll smile back as you spin around with your Boulevardier cocktail saying, why, yes, it is. Isn't it resplendent? The famous Lothario Mitch Brinkman just gave it to me uh, to celebrate my COVID booster shot. But aren't you not eligible for that yet? The polo friends will ask. You'll drain the liquor from your gold-lined coupe glasses, you say with a grin, and it only cost him $275,000. That's less than my five years at Vassar. And that's this week's edition of Uber Psycho. <laughs> Please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. And once again, we love that hearty wom, word of mouth. So tell your friends about us. Tell your family about us. Send them your favorite episode. Thank you to Nathan for bringing us those hot, greasy takes. Yeah, you're welcome. Nathan. Yep, anytime. <laughs> <laughs> and my little scoop of gelato. Your big wet boy, Brian. <laughs> and I've been Mitch Brinkman, and as Biz Bear always says, after a kill, start with the glutes. The ass goes bad first. Alvina Zane and adios. <laughs> <laughs> You've just listened to Uber Cinco, a production of UBK Studios. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your fine podcasts from. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash UBK Studios. Every little bit helps us keep the lights on and the bill collectors at bay. Keep tabs on us on all the social media at UBK Studios, and most importantly, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can see that we really are just a bunch of good Midwestern boys. Yeah.